Welcome to WeChat Divorce, hosted by Karen Chalou, legal liaison, and Catherine Shanahan, CDFA. Each episode, we sit down with divorce professionals and industry experts to provide insights and frank discussions about real people, real situations, and real divorce to help you achieve your best life post-divorce. This episode of WeChat Divorce is brought to you by My Divorce Solution, offering divorce financial preparation services so clients can prepare for divorce, protect their assets, and secure their worth. Visit MyDivorceSolution.com to apply to work with us. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I are so happy today to welcome Rob Roseman. Welcome, Rob. Hey, Karen. Hey, Catherine. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. In this episode, we're going to talk about divorce advice for men, things you're unknowingly doing that make, that's actually making your divorce more expensive. But first, let's take a couple minutes to introduce Rob. Rob is a divorced dad to three kids and the creator of WTF Divorce. He's going to tell us a little bit more about that in a couple of minutes. His claims to fame are that he's a former Las Vegas poker pro a notorious Who Wants to Be a Millionaire contestant, the co-founder of kickstartreading.com, and the host of Dad the Best I Can podcast, as well as the author of the book, Dad the Best I Can, which has a five-star rating on Amazon. Congratulations, Rob. That's a lot, all on top of being a dad. Thank you. When you when you roll it into like a 30-second intro, my like 25 years of my life sounds pretty exciting, <laughs> like a Forrest Gump, if I, if I may say so. I love it. I love it. Well, I read on your website that the biggest thing you learned in your divorce is that you're not the only one going through it. When did you realize this? And talk about the impact that this lesson had on you. I think that's really profound. Well, I certainly didn't learn it when I was going through it because that is where that is pretty much all I thought about is anybody going through this? Like, can anybody see what I'm dealing with? You've got so much emotionally going on with the divorce. I've got divorced about two years ago and in the beginning of the pandemic, living with my at the time wife with three young kids. So it was just a very stressful period. And once I got some distance from it, and we can talk about the divorce if you guys want, but once I got some distance, I realized like that there was help out there. And I thought, wow, that would be would have been so helpful if I knew where to look, who to talk to with the divorce process, but also with just the emotional support that I think guys especially don't seek out or if they do try and they you know their friends are like oh that's that sucks or that's good we didn't you know you're you're gonna have more fun anyways when nobody (laughs) knows what to say i think women are better at finding community i didn't know anybody really that was divorced so it was just a very isolating and stressful time and when i discovered all of the incredible content out there i thought wow it would be so helpful if you could introduce somebody a guy especially to one podcast, one follow on Instagram, go check out My Divorce Solution. They actually can help you with the financial stress that you're feeling. You know, you said a lot of things there that I'd like to comment on. I should have written notes down. But I think one of the things that sticks out to me is that, you know, men have feelings too. And a lot of times they're lumped into this package of, oh, they don't care. They're just moving on. They'll meet someone new and they're just moving on. They don't really care. 
And it's not, we always say, you know, they have a different kind of care, a different kind of worry. You know, men and women just worry about different things most of the times. So it is true that you do care and you do go through these emotional episodes. But I think even with what you just said, you also realize that maybe your wife was crazy or not crazy, but she was going through some emotions too. And I think if both parties can realize that you're both going through some emotional trauma here, it would be a little easier. There'll be a little bit more empathy in, if we just knew that. So I'm glad you said all what you just said, because I think that's so helpful. It's, it's so true. And once you have some distance from it, you can see that. But when you also pile on, you're in a, you have lawyers, you have like this, it's kind of like a little, you don't want to think of it as warfare, but it's like, you're trying to get something, she's trying to get something. It's very tense to hold both of those things at the same times with empathy, with kids. So I just have a lot of empathy for anybody going through it. And I had a very amicable divorce, but it's still the stress is through the roof. So I think the main thing is like people get thrown into this fire without any real support besides, oh, you've got a lawyer, which, by the way, every time you pick up the phone, it's going to cost you $500. So <laughs> try to yeah. spit it all out. What do you even say to them? I just sent my daughter to kindergarten and I'm like, it's almost sending somebody into school for the first time. They've never you know, had any knowledge about what it's like. So I think it's an extremely challenging time that we don't really talk about enough besides, oh, you're getting divorced. That's uh, things will work out great. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is exactly what you don't really want to hear at that time. You exactly. know, we had we actually had a male client give us a testimonial and he said, what I loved about your process is you turned a financial nightmare and battle into a financial exercise. So it wasn't a battle. So when you mentioned the warfare there, I thought of that. He said it was just so much nicer to be able to make this an exercise. You still have to do all the document collection for the data, of course. So there's still a little bit of work there that you have that we do with you when it comes to that. But it didn't feel so stressful. And I think that is a great way to let your emotions of the financial unraveling settle into place. And even when you mentioned with the attorneys, you know, your voice is not being heard. You're talking to your attorney and like you said, you're paying your $500 for every phone call or whatever it is um, for where you live and you're still not being heard. They're not going to get your message out the same way that you would if you had the place to do that. Yeah. You need help. And your attorney, while he is a piece of the puzzle, I'd, again, I'm just learning this now two years out of divorce. You need some version of a team, and that could include a therapist. Your lawyer should not be your therapist. A divorce coach, something I never even knew existed before that can like say, okay, when you pick up the phone to call your lawyer, here's what you should ask him. And now, you know, discovering uh, what you guys do and the financial support, which is another piece, because you're just, you have too much going on in your mind to make sound decisions. I know you guys even talked about like, you could be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Once it's your divorce and you have the emotions, your brain just turns to mush. And like, that is when investing, which is a hard thing to do, I think for people too, their objection, I'm already spending a ton of money with my lawyer. That's the time, like you're going into a very stressful time. If you can build like a basketball team where you have like, you know, this person and this person just to yeah. hold your hand and guide you through it, you're going to come out of it so much better. Yeah. And I just want to add to that, Rob, that while, you know, we talk about investing in your divorce and when you're investing in your divorce, you're also investing into your future, but it's actually spending your money more strategically 
Because if you don't invest in a team, you're going to pay a lot more money for your divorce than you would have otherwise, because you will find yourself on a hamster wheel of litigation that I call it, because your attorney is that level of expertise is limited. And in a divorce, so many other resources. And that's if you have a good attorney who you can trust, which you're not sure. So that's why even it's more important, I think, to build like a team of people that you can trust. And maybe they can say your attorney's not doing something so great. Because that I think that financial piece is I imagine that's an objection that you guys see. It's just this like fire hose of money. But if you can spin it and understand that, like by investing a little money, by spending some money, you could save tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, possibly that could cost you like next to nothing if you allocate it, you know, an effective yeah, way. That's so right. And premature choosing of an attorney can cost you a lot of money too, just because family law attorneys need so many areas of expertise. They need business, real estate planning, family law, and on and on it goes. And so if you don't find an attorney who has a specific expertise in the area of law that is very specific to your case, then you could find yourself in trouble later. So mm -hmm. we we always talk to our clients about that. But before we get into our topics about making divorce expensive, we do want to hear about your story and how that led you to creating WTF. Yeah, so I'd had a podcast called Dad the Best I Can, where I talked to dads that are, you know, entrepreneurs, CEOs of big companies, I wanted to hear about what they were going through. And I love doing it. But when I got into I was going through divorce. And then when I was out of it, because I always tell people, once your papers are signed, you're just getting started on all these things, co-parenting. Now you're dating. Now you're like trying to move. Like there's so many different things I found was lucky to find, I guess, because it was the middle of the pandemic. I was online a lot and I found like, these experts on Instagram of all places. And I was just, you know, consuming their content. I'd go on Clubhouse and talk to them almost like therapy. And then when I would occasionally find like a, another divorce guy, I'd be like, oh, have you heard of this? And they'd be like, what's a podcast? You know, we, <laughs> we take for granted that everybody knows what these things are, but most people don't. When I saw that, it's just like in my nature of a empathetic kind of like, like to help people. I like to curate stuff for them. I thought, oh, wouldn't it be cool if like we could put together like a one place where it was easy to find information about? divorce, dating, co-parenting. And I have a background in, you know, digital marketing and podcasts. So I just thought, hey, why not try and spin something up, put it together, just almost be like a curator of great content. And if it helps one person, then it made me feel better because I was kind of be able to give back to people and, you know, help them through what I know for guys is a really isolating, challenging time. Yeah, I guess you'll agree that, you know, men have a harder time asking for opinions and advice from others. They want to act all cool that they know they have it all under control and they can handle it. And they don't like to show their vulnerability or weaknesses to others. So the fact that you created that space for them is wonderful because I think that, again, like we said earlier, you still have the same emotions and you sh still should go get some information, but where were they to go? Because I knew there wasn't even a place for me to go um, when I went through my divorce 10 or 11 years ago. So now that you're fast forwarding and making this platform for not just men, I know you have women as well, but to be a voice for them is really a great thing. 
I always ask people that are divorced like five, 10 years, what did people do before social media? Did they read a book? Maybe that hopefully you found a friend, but like you said, guys, especially women tend to like have, you know, this kind of bond, this camaraderie where they can open up and they'll listen, even if they're not divorced guys, we either, I don't have friends that are divorced, so they just don't understand. I tell people in a lot of ways, it's like being a parent versus, you know, my friends that don't have kids, it's just hard to get it. But then my guys that, you know, do want to talk, they want to know the highlight reel. They want to know dating stories. They want to complain about their wife. So there's just <laughs> this massive gap that I'm like, God, there's great stuff out there. There's this huge pain point. Men are kind of being ignored or they're choosing not to really participate. How can we make it a little bit easier for them? So far, the response has been great, which is really rewarding for me. That's awesome. Good for you. So let's get into our topic. How are our men and anybody really making their divorce more expensive? So let's start out by talking about text wars. Yes. Text wars. Uh, would that be with your soon-to-be ex or yep. with your... Yes. So my background, I'm a Las Vegas poker pro. I played professionally for 11 years. So I do have a pretty good poker face and I have learned you know, to empathize with the other person. I'm a big fan of Chris Voss. He's a FBI hostage negotiator and I've been reading some of his work and a lot of what that talks about is how to communicate better, how to empathize with, he's a hostage negotiator. He was empathizing with somebody that was like holding a gun to somebody's head. So I think you can really get into trouble by, you know, just off the cuff messaging your spouse at the time or X if it's after the fact, but like really taking a minute to step away. I think text is a very slippery slope. I quickly learned like, we're going to communicate by email because if I just see my phone beeping and now I got cortisol flowing through me and now I'm like, I didn't say that. And it just derails the whole thing. And then you know how that can go in a divorce if you're in the middle of it. Now she's going to talk to her lawyer and say, well, he's doing this. So one piece of advice is slow it down. You don't even allow yourself to write back, say, I'll get back to this in 10 minutes or 24 hours, something like that. And then also learn to craft your messages so they're not as antagonistic even if your ex is coming at you with stuff like you could say something like you know i'm sure i'm gonna sound like a jerk here i'm sure i'm sure this is really upsetting to you just little things where like especially we all misinterpret things over uh text and email chris voss says assume somebody's reading your message in like the worst mood ever because you can't <laughs> control how they're acting you're like well, I was just saying, how you doing? And she read it as like, how are you doing with this and your new boyfriend or something? So <laughs> now with all the emojis and everything and the explanation mark, explanation marks, <laughs> I say it, with all these little additives that you can put in there, you have to really be careful. Oh, my gosh. Some people yeah. interpret that. I will admit, because I was like, I was, you know, kind of messed up for the first six months. I was just like angry. I had a lot of bad feelings where I would be like, are you picking up the kids today? And I would get like a thumbs up stamp and in my head, and I look back now, I'm like, God, I was kind of pissed off. Like, I would be like, that's so condescending. You're giving me a <laughs> thumbs up back. And like, I'm reading into really, she's just like trying to be efficient and say, okay. But at the <laughs> right. time I'm like, what's that emoji mean? Like, oh man. And now my head is spinning for four hours and it's all gone yeah. off the rails. So taking some time 
even copy pasting scripts into your phone that you can just be like, boop, I'm going to say this thing. Like, let me get back. Let me think about that and get back to you. That's a yeah. magical piece of advice that I wish I knew at the time instead of spewing out some response immediately. Yeah. The other thing I always advise people to do is I understand it feels so much better, which is why I love journaling to get out what you're thinking. So I always say, type it up. You can even use the notes on your phone. You don't have to use the actual text and say everything you want to say, but don't send it to anyone but yourself or to your best friend. Just saying you have to be my person to send this stuff to. And then you walk away from it for a couple of minutes and then you can reply because you'll reply so much differently. We see that during the text war phases, people just, it costs them money because then they want to go show their attorney how bad their spouse is. And mm-hmm. you're showing your attorney something who's not going to get you the justice that you want. And they're not going to give you the response that you want. They have to reply to you legally. So now you're paying your attorney over a text exchange that's probably going nowhere. Or the flip side to that, it is going somewhere. You know, you're saying some things that they're probably going to show that you are maybe not in your right mind for some, you know, or... Yeah. That's so true, especially in the discovery process. I'm in several cases. We have several cases where they're collecting the text messages. So just think about the expense of that. First of all, you have to download them all and you have to send them, right? And you you have to send them all because your spouse is sending as well. So your attorney's reviewing them, their staff's reviewing them, they're copying them, they're inventorying them, they're breaking them down, they're doing notes about them, and then they're sending them to opposing counsel to do the very same thing. So let's just say you had five pages of text messages, only five, usually there's 20, 30, 40. That's $10,000 right there. So, you know, if you can manage to keep your conversation on topic, so to your point, yes, I'll pick up the kids this for that. You don't, If you start going into other spaces, you need to understand the financial, the potential financial ramifications of that, to your point. And, you know, I'll see you in court. I'll, you know, you'll hear from my lawyer. Mm. Catherine has this great thing she tells people to say, interesting or okay. (laughs) It doesn't mean you have to engage in that because it can become very expensive. And let me say that's not easy. Taking the high road is freaking exhausting. You know, like all you want to do is just spew out this message back. You have these feelings. I always say like when you see the dot, dot, dot of what somebody's typing, like I'd love to know the behind the scenes of what that actually looked like, because a lot of time it's like you mother effer. And then it's like, all right, like you said, just delete it. And then it's like, oh, something else terrible, delete it. And then it's like, sounds good. Yeah, <laughs> and just send that sounds good. And but yes, get that like you said, journaling, get it out. Just try not to send it. And also think of it as if you're not always just taking the high road. You're also just protecting yourself um, because you could still feel that anger towards that person. And it doesn't mean that you don't have a lot to say. It's just that why would you say it now? It's it really isn't going to go anywhere. And that person on the receiving end of it, they're not going to respond the way you want them to. And you know, I love it when people say. I'm going to ask this question, but I know the answer. He's going to lie to me or she's going to lie to me. Okay, well then don't waste the time asking the question. You already have your answer. And I know it's hard in this moment, but during this period of time, this is when you don't ask the question, right? Or don't ask the question that you really don't want the answer to as well, because it leads you down another path. And we see it all the time when it comes to the financial piece. Now, all of a sudden, they don't want to give data. All of a sudden, they change. They stop paying some things. You know, it's all because of this text exchange that should have never occurred. But again, like you said, it's so hard. So think of it as doing it for yourself. You're not really doing it for the other side, 
but you're really protecting yourself and moving forward. And maybe it'll make it just a little bit easier. Yeah, that's a great point. And at at the end of the day, especially when children are involved, you're going to be a family forever. So whether you're divorced or married, you're still a family. Oh my gosh, not to cut you off, but I know I am. It reminds me of, oh gosh, a couple of cases where mom and or dad were texting each other this war and it went to the kid's iPad. They had the text, I don't even know how you do that, but they had the text messaging on. So the kid's sitting in the basement, they think he's playing a video game and he's actually reading this text exchange. And as a matter of fact, one was with a girlfriend or a boyfriend, I forget at this point, but the kid was reading the whole thing. So just stay away from the text messaging altogether, especially if you don't have computer skills like myself. (laughs) I would never know that, right? So remember that, Karen? There were a couple of cases like that. Yeah. Divorce in the age of technology, it's a whole other, I mean, there's the benefits that you can get help out there that you couldn't before, but you're dealing with like before, what was it? Like, I'm going to write you a letter and you'll hear from me in a week. And when it comes in the mail now, it's like instantly you can just spew out whatever you want, which there's consequences to that. Yeah. There's an app out there that is called My Family Wizard that a lot of families use, some courts accept it or not. But I like also like what you said, Rob, is, you know, just decide you're going to communicate via email, you know, unless it's an emergency, then you can call a text. Texting can be very dangerous and expensive in divorce. That's a great point. Yeah. Slow it down. That's my biggest advice. Just like whenever you read something, turn your notifications off just and that our family wizard, like you said, it kind of is like a container for it. So I always say like a text is the most you know, visceral reaction, emails a little slower, a phone call. And then if you can have it on a, another app, just like create some distance because your brain is not equipped to handle this much stress in such an important time. Yeah. And during this time, you are creating your new communication style. So this is just part of it. So moving along, number two, social media engagement. And Rob, I've believe you have a lot of experience here watching other couples and families engage in social media and the damage that can be done in that space. Yeah, first advice that I've learned, and it feels very weird at first, but even if you're getting along, I would say to block or unfollow your ex, like again, which felt like, oh, I don't want to do that. Or I kind of want to see what's going on, like all of these things, like Again, social media didn't exist 10 years ago. So you weren't like peering into their window, seeing exactly (laughs) what they were doing. So somebody told me that and it felt really weird at first because I was like, well, I want to see what's going on with my kids. It's just like, I think a smart, responsible thing to do for you. Think about it for you. I need to protect myself. I cannot look at my phone and get triggered every time I see something. So that would be uh, one big tip. The other tip that seems obvious, but probably isn't especially if you're going through a divorce, probably don't want to be sharing pictures of you and your girlfriend in the Bahamas. Because like you said, that could just she could find it or what you see happens a lot. And it happened to me. Oh, I saw your wife is in, you know, out doing this. And I was blocked. I I was like, I intentionally don't need to see that. And it was harmless stuff. But all of a sudden, and I even told my friends, I was like, look, I know you mean well, but I don't need to hear about that stuff. I'm trying to keep my distance. And they didn't know that either. So they're like, oh, thanks. I thought you'd want to know. So don't try to unfollow and don't overshare. I'm sure there's a lot of other ideas, but if you start with that, like that gives you a good foundation. So you're giving those really great tips and I agree with them both. And they're coming from an emotional side. 
And I love that. But I want to caution you on the financial side to that. You know, be careful of when you unblock someone because you unblock your spouse in the middle of negotiations and they think you're just out already gallivanting and it pisses them off. You know, so the jealous, if you have a jealous spouse, right? It depends on the scenario. Some, some may be great. I hope she finds someone so I don't have to pay her support, you know, but you know, so it just depends on where you are in that situation. And that's the unknowing things that people do. And they don't realize the financial outcome of that. So now you piss your spouse off, you unblock her or him, and now they're curious and now the trust leads and now you're happier and you've moved on. You're going to give all your attention and money to this new person. So now they really want to negotiate more and they call their attorneys and they're pissed off even more than they were. And the other thing is, you know, when you mentioned the, the girlfriend or boyfriend stage, sometimes it's not a, even you who's doing that, but it's your girlfriend or boyfriend. And you unknowingly are not telling them not to do it because you don't think it's going to really affect you. And, you know, who are you to tell somebody what to do, right? Well, then, you know, your family sees that somehow. Like you said, you got blocked, but you still found out the information. So our kids see things, every, our friends see things, our workers see things. So now, again, you're creating a tension between your spouse, even if you're amicable, because feelings do come in. You know, it takes a while to unravel from your feelings from the divorce. So, again, it, we see it ending you costing you so much more money because you just didn't wait a little bit because you didn't and you didn't do it on purpose you just didn't think that way and you know what you also hurt your kids because they're seeing things they're probably not ready to see yeah that's two great points let me just say the unblocking i would say when you're going through divorce do not unblock just hold to it i actually you know still don't follow my ex and we get along because that's more of an emotional thing but that's a good rule just like until those papers are signed, you are not even allowed to. And the other thing that you said that was really good about your boyfriend or girlfriend saying, oh, let's take a picture I want to share with my friends. Dating after divorce, which is a huge topic, like you are in this high, you're in this newlywed phase with this other person. You probably don't want to have these like hard conversations and upset them. But this is actually a chance that you need to be saying this. You need to practice like boundaries, something that you probably were terrible at during your divorce, where you could say, Hey, I know this sounds bad, but like, I'm really trying to just not show pictures on social media right now because of this reason. And that's probably going to disappoint them. And we don't want to do that to our new boyfriend or girlfriend, but like, that's on you. Like everything when you're going through divorce, whether it's reaching out to somebody, it's your responsibility. Now it's hard to know these things unless you listen to podcasts like this, but like, you have to be the one, you know, controlling all of these things. And don't think about the other spouse either. It doesn't have to be that. It could be, listen, you know, I'm Rob. I have three kids and I really like where this is going. However, I don't want to hurt my children. So if you wouldn't mind not posting anything for a while, I would really appreciate that. And so with my kids. And if you turn around and that's posted, guess what? Red flag. That's not the person for you because there's going to be a lot of harder things that come up in your co-parenting and your, or you end up being a step-parent again. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. And, you know, the same thing with, you know, you take a vacation with your kids and you post that you're the dad of the year. Well, maybe you weren't the dad of the year because you worked all the time, whatever the reason being. Or you're not the dad of the year and your spouse is mine. That infuriates them. Now they're going to go for more support or more of this or more of that because, you know, if he wants to portray himself as being dad of the year and it goes on the other side too. see the same thing with women, you know, they're away all the time and they're posting these things without their kids, which makes the dad angry. And then you're in a custody battle again, because either spouse doesn't want the kids meeting the girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever the it may be. 
I'm telling you, it all costs a ton of money when you're not very intentional about your behavior, for sure. All right, let's go into the next one. Putting your kids' well-being in the middle of financial discussions. For example, look, son, can't get you that new baseball bat because I gave your mom all my money. We hear that all the time. What do you have to say about that, Rob? Yeah, again, empathize with you because you're right to feel that way if that's the case. Like you're not saying that you shouldn't feel that way. This was a good that you're triggered. You're emotional. What you say to your kids, like, again, you might need to go take a walk after you tell him the right thing and just curse and, you know, say it. But but yeah, your kids like they love their other parent. You do want them to have a relationship with their other parent. I always remind people like somebody can be a not a great spouse, but be a good parent. Or even if they're not the best parent, like your kid loves them. So it's a very hard thing to do. But really, like, like you said, protecting your kids, because they're going to hear that they're going to see that they're going to. And then what kids normally do is make it about them. Oh, this is my fault that, you know, mommy got me this bike and daddy couldn't. And it's just like, it's that high road is hard to do, but especially with your kids, you've got to just grit your teeth and do it. And if you need to go take a walk after and or write spewing terrible things, that's fine. But yeah, I always say like, or give them that like, you know what, like, I need a few minutes to think about that if you can't come up with it in the moment. So uh, there's just like, it's such a slippery slope with your kids, especially when they're young, that like, it's very hard to do, but really try and like you said, be intentional about your conversations with them. Yeah, I think a great exercise to do is almost act as if you were married, you know, so yes, let's say Rob, you and I are married, and we get divorced, and you can afford things that I can't afford. You know, it's okay for me to say, guess what, Susie, you know, mommy can't pay for all of that. I'll talk to dad and here's what I can afford. And if we can put work together and get it for you, that'd be great. But I'm going to talk to him first. You know, that's putting your kids first. And then I can come to you and say, listen, I can afford a hundred dollars. That's it. If you really want him to have this bat, that's $400, then you're going to have to put in the $300. And you're going to either say yes or no, because you're the dad who loves the baseball, who wants him to have that bat. And I want to contribute to what I can, or, or I say I can't. And then it's your decision. And then we go and say, okay, you can have the bat. You know, it doesn't have to be from you. It doesn't have to be from me. It has to be, you know, we work together to come to a resolution here that, the, that our Susie felt good about, right? And that's the hard thing to do. But if you can force yourself into that kind of a conversation, which is difficult because everybody hates talking about money, it would go a long way. And I bet you the person who makes more money would be more willing to pay for more things. Yeah, it's a hard thing, especially for men. I think divorce hits. I had a guest on my podcast. He said the two biggest things that hit a man during divorce are romance and finance. And like our egos are so tied to money. And then there's let's layer on top of that. Now we have some guilt about getting divorced and our kids. So we want to go, you know, buy them the nice things. Oh, mom bought them the nice things. Well, I've got to keep up. So it's very complicated. And uh, again, easy to say, hard to do. But the other thing is like, my ex stayed in the home. I moved to the apartment. It was like, that's a big ego check. I was fine with it, but I have guilt that I've got three kids in a three bedroom apartment. You know, you just have to also remind yourself that like, especially today, it's not our jobs to make our kids lives like the easiest and just, you know, and I still fight it, you know, every day I'm still doing things that are like, I want to treat them. I want to take them out. But like, 
if we can use divorce to build some resilience to show that like crappy things can happen and we can get through it. Like th this is like an opportunity to like build resilience in your kids that a lot of married couples that are just going through the motions never get to do. So think of it as like, this sucks. And what can we, you know, take from it? It's so true because I was the flip. I moved out of the marital home. So I moved into a very small place. And if you talk to my kids now who are older than your kids and you ask them their favorite memories, they are certain little trips or walking into the house and smelling my sauce being cooked. It's not the big elaborate gifts and trips they went on. It was the little things. They remember the experiences more than the stuff we think that we're giving them. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, I wish I could take a lot of that stuff back and return it. I would have had a lot more money saved right now. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. And showing up for them is way more important than buying a baseball bat. I can tell you that like their games, their school events, whatever they're interested in, showing up for them is incredibly valuable to them, especially during their time when it's so hard for mom and dad to show up in the same place. First of all, you can save yourself a lot of money, but second of all, you can make an incredible impact on your children by just taking those types of steps. Even when it may be harder for you, it's more beneficial to them, I believe. And I think that's what you're saying as well, Rob. Yeah. And it will be hard. It will be awkward. That's first school play that we went to where we're sitting next to each other. You're just like, just get through it. It's like, <laughs> so I, I hate when people are like on way on the other side of the divorce and they're just like, you know, it gets better or it's easy. When you're in the beginning, it is going to be some of the most uncomfortable, awkward that you can't avoid that. So it's just like, just ride it out. Just be there. Like you said, if your kid sees you there and you can't even look at their mom, like you're still being present, like you said, again, hard to do, but just like keep that in mind and then go lose your mind when you're off on your own driving home. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the last thing we're going to talk about today is not understanding the financial impact of knee-jerk decisions regarding household and living expenses. And this goes back, Rob, to what you said in the beginning, not knowing how things work. The financial impact of how you manage your living expenses, if you're the wage earner, or even if you're not, can cost you a lot of money. I wasn't very good at this. And I think everybody <laughs> after divorce... After divorce, it's this weird thing where you just like spent uh, tons of money. And what do you want to go do? You want to feel a little better. So you're on Amazon and you're buying stuff and you're going out to dinner or you're dating and you're going to a nice dinner. So like there's going to be a, some rope for irresponsible financial behavior. So give yourself a little grace, but also like realize that, yeah, it's, you're in a whole new life space now. And, you know, give yourself some grace because that's what especially as guys, I think we beat ourselves up and it like creates this vicious cycle. But yeah, financial during and financial after divorce is a, a really challenging thing, especially I imagine for women or men that never had anything to do with the bills or finances. You're now responsible for all these things. So again, I think the biggest thing is seek out help, seek out, you know, content, start with podcasts like yours, but don't do it alone because this is like, again, you're going off to get your PhD when you haven't learned any of this before. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, you're, you want to create the new you and you do all of that post-divorce, but your wheels start spinning when you're going through the process. And I'm really big on expectations. And I know when you get divorced, there's a big mistrust there and you don't really want to communicate, but that's really for maybe 20% of the people. I will say most people 
do want to come together in some way to move on in a better way than what we're all used to, right? So if you can have that conversation, I mean, our platform opens it up to create that space, but if you could just have that expectation conversation, like, okay, we're going to have to hire professionals. How much are we spending? Or are we going to continue living the way we did? We're going to pay all these bills the same way that we did. Or what do you think will change? Or what do you think, but where's, where do I spend from? What credit card do I use? How do I do this? Why we're going through this process? If you could do that, you're already winning in this difficult journey. But what we see is people get told by somebody else, you shouldn't pay for that. Why are you paying for that? And so they stop paying for it. And now the other party is like, well, wait a minute. Why'd you stop paying for it? Because I was told I shouldn't pay for it. Okay, well, now I'm going to go file. Now filing, I'm not working through it with you. Now, here we go. Now it all starts, right? Or, you know, all of a sudden they change passwords on every account. Listen, they're going to get the statement from your data separation, no matter how you look at it. So whether you change the password or not, they're still going to see it. So why wouldn't you do this in a way that you both are understanding of it so it doesn't create more turmoil and cost you thousands and thousands of dollars? We have seen people do this countless times where they've been afraid to invest in getting some clarity. They go on the journey here, the mistrust is setting in, and then all of a sudden they come back because they realize they're not getting any clarity. So they come back and they have to still pay, right? Invest in themselves. But what started should have never started. The two parties unknowingly just created this tornado that ends up being fifty, sixty thousand dollars because nobody knew the expectations and nobody told them to have that conversation. I'll give you a what to add on to that, something that a lot of people don't think about. I didn't know. It's very isolating. Who's the first person you usually go talk to? Your parents, your family. They actually probably aren't the best person to go talk to because now they're like, well, screw him or you know, these things are, we've never dealt with divorce or let's take them for all he's worth. You appreciate on some level their support, but I think that's like something a lot of people don't know either. It's like, mom, I love you. And I'll maybe listen to it, which you should develop boundaries for that. But like, don't get your advice from uncle John, who's pissed off, like go to find somebody yeah. that's either objective or that's been through it. And a lot of, to that point, Rob, your family is coming at it from an emotional perspective, a behavioral ex perspective, while divorce, dividing assets and support calculations are fairly formulaic. So if you invest in understanding how it works, then you can make better decisions for yourself. Because frankly, it doesn't really matter a lot, maybe some, very little about other people's behavior. At the end of the day, your marital estate is what it is. And you're going to end up with what you're going to end up with, unless, of course, you spend a lot of money running around making bad choices for yourself. That's a whole different conversation and what we're talking about today. So I really love that you brought up about family, friends, and other people who have gone through divorce. While they have their own experiences, they're not really going to be able to give you a perspective that's beneficial to you financially. Let me ask you, I don't, I imagine all law, I was here like, no, not legal advice. Every state is different. But right. one of the biggest things that happens in divorce is there's infidelity on some side. And that usually enrages somebody. But from what I've learned, infidelity, a, a judge or the formula, or the math doesn't really usually matter either. So it's another example of like, you know, just because somebody is horrible doesn't change the fact that this is what they're entitled to or you're entitled to. And, you know, a professional is going to find it out. So like the yeah. emotional side clouds so much of the financial impact of things. 
Yeah. So financially speaking, some states it does impact if you're the if you're the payer. I mean, if you're the receiver, but you know that you know we're in every state, so some states it does matter. But on the flip side of that, sometimes if somebody is feeling guilty enough for the relationship they're having outside their marriage, this might be a good time for you to negotiate <laughs> to get more of what you might want. Yeah. But yeah, it's so crazy the knee jerk reactions that we all make. If we could take some of them back, we'd all be better off for it. So the fact that you have your podcast and you have all that great content and that we have our podcast and there's all these resources, you know, turn and get the information. You you know, you just have to listen to it on the radio. You don't even have to go meet with anyone, which is so fabulous. I I just love that there's all this information for everyone and you can divorce a better way. And and that's the whole goal for why we all do what we do, right? That's so true. And whether the whole question of infidelity plays a part in some states or not, at the end of the day, the money you spend proving it or disproving it is sometimes more than the entire value of your estate and the stress and the time. So, you know, you have to think about those two. So again, get prepared to what you're doing and create that community. And I believe that you do a job helping create that community for so many people out there. So this concludes our episode on divorce advice for men, things you're unknowingly doing that makes your divorce more expensive. Before we go, Rob, can you please share with our listeners where they can find you, your social media, your website, and your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. We went through 500 names and came up with one that's memorable. It's WTF Divorce. (laughs) The website is WTFDivorce.com. We're big on Instagram of all places where I kind of found a lot of the help at WTF Divorce. And one of the popular things we're doing on there is we give people a space to kind of do these anonymous shares, share your story, anonymously ask questions. We have people say, oh my God, I'm going through that too. So it's a really like safe place to kind of start to build some kind of community to feel like you're not alone. That's something we're doing. And then we put those on the podcast. So we're just really trying to share people's stories to help them learn. They're not the only ones going through it. And then my personal thing, I'm a big fan of comedy. I'm like always looking for ways to put a spin on it, because if you can't laugh at the circus that you're going through, you're going to be crying a lot. So like we try to add some levity to divorce. I do laugh at quite a few things. (laughs) That's great. It's great what you do. For more information or insights on this topic and more, please visit our website, www.mydivorcesolution.com or email us at hello at mydivorcesolution.com. Thank you again, Rob. Also, please leave a review. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review and we'll talk more about some advice for men. If you're considering divorce or are in the midst of it, you need a community that understands what you're going through. That's why we created a divorce community. Our online divorce support group is an empowering, safe space where you can find support and resources to help you through this difficult time. The community is packed with valuable information and connections to help you through every challenge of divorce. At My Divorce Solution, our goal is to make the divorce process less daunting. If that sounds right for you, we'd love for you to join us. You can access the free divorce community at MyDivorceSolution.com. That's MyDivorceSolution.com to request access to our free online divorce support group. Thanks for joining us on another episode of WeChat Divorce. We hope this episode was informative and supportive on your divorce journey. If you are looking for more support for navigating divorce with confidence and clarity, head over to MyDivorceSolution.com. 
for more podcast episodes, divorce events, and resources for your divorce. We'll see you back here for our next episode.